Well, praise the Lord. Amen. All right. There's finally life. Paul, my heart goes out to you. I'm sorry for the loss of your mother. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So my heart has gone out to you and your family. So uh, may the Lord bless you as, as you move through the days ahead and the services are here. And uh, may you be a light of comfort like your mom would want you to be. So we praise the Lord. Hey, hallelujah. Yes. That's right. Praise God. Isn't that, uh, you know what? I tell everybody this. I was telling Ryan when he, uh, when he lost his dad here three weeks ago, I said, you know, Ryan, just remember, you're going to start to see the glory of the Lord. You're going to start to see the spirit of the Lord. You're going to start to see angels start ministering to you. You're going to start seeing things through death that you've never seen before. And he said, why does my dad keep showing up? I said, it's not your dad that's showing up. It's his angels that are showing up to show you that, you know, everything's okay. And it really has been very, very neat to watch him as he's been grieving through this. And I know this week we're also going to be having a committal service. And then the celebration of life, excuse me, will be coming up here uh, in September, you know, September 9th uh, for family and friends. So that will be a celebration of life uh, that will take place. They took some time to get some things done and, and so on and so forth. In this message of life is hard, God is good. You know, we, we say that phrase all the time, and I know this is part two, and last week we, we stopped it. But I hope that today as we conclude in this message that we'll find that divine encounters are so important. And I want you to know, church, that even today during our song service, did you feel the spirit of the living God? Did you feel the spirit of of Jesus Christ in the sanctuary? You know, we can come to church or we can be the church. We can usher his presence in. We can ask for his presence to be here. And I'm not saying we're going to be doing some goofy things. I'm not saying that all. But all I know is that he is the comforter that will come and comfort us in our time of need. And so any type of affliction, any type of adversity that comes our way, and we all face it, whether it's from the workplace, whether it's at home, whether it's in uh, just in social interactions, whether it's at the circle fest, whatever it might look like, sometimes we have a form of adversity and affliction. But I want you to know, church, and I'm here to tell you today that Satan wants you to bow the knee to him. He doesn't want you to live a victorious life. He wants you to live crippled. He wants you to live handicapped. He doesn't want any teenager to surrender. He doesn't want anybody to do anything for him. This past week, I met a couple and the couple said to me, do you know any pastors that would take on a pastor over in Pennsylvania? We come from a small community. And I said, I'm very sorry, but I don't. And he looked at me and he said, you know, being a part of this church for 20 years, I'm watching Satan get a stronghold on the church to where our church used to have just in Sunday school, 300. We're lucky to have 20. 25 to 50 in worship service. You know what I told him? I said, because we've lost our faith. 
We've lost our vision. We've allowed the adversity. We've allowed things to hinder our walk. And then we've believed the lies that people have told us and what Satan has said to us. We have this story. We know this narrative. We know that King Nebuchadnezzar sent out his troops to say, I need to find some intelligent young men that are going to do something for me. Isn't it amazing? Because as I said last week, he had a Theo mentality. Theo means God. Mentality means a sense of pride. And so he was self uh, self-absorbed and so that we start to watch in king nebuchadnezzar's life he changes their names he didn't want them to be reminded of who they are or who they were because we know that god gave a promise to abraham and he said to abraham as many stars are in the sky and as many uh Saying grand granules of sand that are by the seashore so shall your descendants be blessed yet we will believe the lies of those that are so close to us. We will believe the things that people will tell us from a father, from a mother, from a grandparent, from an aunt, from an uncle, from co-workers. From... We will believe the lies. But church, today, I want you to know that in the midst of all that junk, that Jesus is right there with you and that he'll see you through. You know why? Because if he leads you to the fire, he'll see you through the fire. And he will give you victory no matter what is going on in your life, what people will say about you. So here we are. We're, we're, we're in, a, in a crossroads. We're in the middle of a decision between uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know that there was Daniel that was in the picture. We know that, that the, the young men were in the picture. And we notice that I think it's three times within that text of Daniel that you hear the Hebrew names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I like what, what Jay said. Can't we just do the older names because they're easier to say than the newer names? And I said, well, that's because I think what God was trying to show through his scriptures is that the world can call us whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. But we know that the prince and the power of our lives and of our heart is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter, because, matter what people say because we know that he is holy forever. In that song, it says that even princes and governments, and no matter what people say, he's still God, and he's God alone. Hallelujah is right. And so we have to claim that as a church. I'm not going to go back to Daniel chapter 1 to highlight that, but I will kind of summarize it. So right now, the, the young men are being picked, and then they move right into Daniel chapter 2. Then they go right into Nebuchadnezzar where he's with the golden image. And yet the boys are now caught between a crossroads. Who are they going to serve? You know, and we get so caught up in our own life. So, you know, sometimes I think, you know, when I said last week, what is an idol, a person, place, or thing? It's, it's a noun. It's whatever we yield to. It's whatever we decide to make an idol in our life is what we yield to. But today, church, I want us to know that there's only one person that we bow the knee to, and his name is Jesus. And so if I stand up here and say anything other than that, fire me and get me out of the pulpit because I've lost my marbles and I've lost my mind. And we need to continue to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you're at work. You're with your family. They're saying things. And now you're caught. You're caught between a place of am I going to live by faith or am I going to walk by what I know, by sight. You know, it's difficult for us because of 
of the things that are said about us, the things that are said to us. It's hard because of the experiences of life of what we've gone through that continues to keep us just tripped up, keeps us crippled. You know, many of you are caught maybe between a place of, uh, you know, I don't know what to do in the workplace because I'm in a position right now of what am I going to do? What is this going to look like for me? And yet... You know, in, in that decision, I know what, what Jesus is doing for you. He wants you to go to him. He wants you to get on your knees and cry out to him. You know, we go back to when we were both, you know, or all of us were youth. And in our youth, we're so criticized. We're criticized because of our faith or we're criticized because we don't have nice clothes like, you know, Junior does, who mom and dad are very wealthy and rich, and he gets to wear all the fine, cool clothes, and, and maybe mom wasn't creative in this young lady's life and couldn't do all the, the poofs and the twists and the twirls and the hair, and so the girls are making fun of, of that other girl, yet we, we start to believe the things that people say, and they define who we are, and it's very, very difficult, but I want you to know, church, you need to let it go. Now, Last week, we learned three things from the four good-looking guys that we had up here. That one thing we have to do that's so vital in our walk in Jesus Christ is to do what? Not look inward, not look outward at other people, but we need to look upward. And the reason why Daniel, which you'll find, I think it's in Daniel chapter 6, he was able to get through, you know, the lion's den was because he was looking upward. He wasn't focused on what was about to eat him, what was about to devour him, what was about to take control of him, what... He didn't do that. He sought the face of God. And when you seek the face of God and you stop all the other distractions that are around you, it will put you in the center of calm that you've never experienced before. And that's called the peace of God. Isn't that a great thought? Isn't it a great thought that even though all this stuff's going on around you, that you too can experience God in his fullness. So here we are. It's Daniel chapter 3. And if you want to turn there, you can. I invite you to do that as well. But you can also find... And I was, I was sharing with, with uh, the men last week. I was telling Jim and Ron, I said, you know, I really love that when we do the Bible decree that I'm seeing more and more people with their Bible. I believe that we're now embarking upon a time. It's just like that man said, do you know anybody that can preach a message? We need a pastor. And yet we realize that the calling... You better be called. You better be called. Because if you're not called and you're looking at it as a position of prosperity, you're looking at a position for a paycheck, let me tell you, it is a difficult position. Not only that, Satan hates your guts. He hates our guts just being God's child. Much nonetheless, standing up here and encouraging people to live by faith and to walk in Christ and to live their life in Christ but I believe that just like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they had a choice. The co-workers, they went over and they said, listen, king, those guys won't bow the knee. These guys won't humble themselves. They're proud. They're arrogant. What is up with those Jewish boys? What's up with those little Hebrews? What is happening with them? And you know what? I think we need to take them down at the knees because, you know, isn't it funny? Don't you always love tattletales? Now... You know, tattletales always do one thing. They're always exposing somebody else because it elevates them. That's a Theo mentality, isn't it? And uh, we have to be careful because we can really hurt people instead of heal people and help people to be all they truly need to be. Amen? 
So here we are. We're right in the, in the middle of a decision. And the guy says, listen, we know who our God is. And we'll still serve him. You can change my name, but he knows my name. Isn't that good? I guess it's not. Are y'all following me here this morning? Okay, good. So we see that the king might have changed their names, but God knows their name. He already knew who they were. And so they said, listen, you can put all kinds of pressure. You can pull my fingernails out. You can cut me limb to limb. You can do whatever you want. But I know who my God is. Isn't that amazing? I mean, isn't it just amazing when you think about, now, think about this. They knew who their God was. It's so easy from popular, you know, uh, vote to uh, the majority. We always want to believe what the majority says, right? And I've experienced something in life just being a Christian. I'm the minority. Always the minority. Even sometimes in my own family, I'm the minority. And the pressures are there and the stress is there. And, you know, isn't it funny? They're allowed to make mistakes. But you're not. Because you are a preacher. Oh, you're not. Because you're a Christian. Goody two shoes. That's what everybody wants to say. But no. That's why we're here today. That's why I need this message today. That's why I need the Word of God, because I need Him to speak to me. I need Him to change me. I need Him to to encourage me to walk better today, tonight, tomorrow than I did even yesterday, because I'm a wreck. Just thought I'd tell you. I know it comes as a surprise, but I'm a wreck. We're all a wreck. And so we need the tow truck of eternal life, God, to pick us up and carry us. Amen? Daniel chapter 3 verse 23 says this, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. They fell into the roaring flames. Then it says in verse 24, it says here that, But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. And then it continues in verse 25 as they replied to the king. And here's what he said. Well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Now, it all depends on what translation you look at, but it says, but the the fourth looks like a god. The son of God. See, we could just stop right here. We could preach right here. We could make this my whole message. So we put the three right, right here. So here's where we're at. They asked the question, didn't we tie them all up? I said, yes, we tied them up. Okay, well, why am I seeing four people in this fire? 
So if we put in three, why four? So King Nebuchadnezzar is asking this question. Now they're having this dialogue back and forth. What's happening here? And how are they walking around when, when, we, when we tied them up? And, and as you've heard me say, no crispy chicken, no crispy. They're not fried. They're, they're walking around. I want you to look to the person next to you and say this. There were four. Sometimes... When God wants to give you an encounter with him, sometimes he takes you out of it. Sometimes he does. He takes you out of it. Sometimes he delivers you from, from it. Sometimes you don't have to worry about it. But sometimes he wants to take you through it or join in it, but not deliver you from it. Sometimes he wants you to see what it's like when you're in the fire, not being burned by the fire. You're in the bad situation at work, and he's working right beside you. And he says, wait a minute, stop for just a second. I think I see four, and the fourth one I see looks like somebody straight from heaven. Interesting. Sometimes heaven wants to join you in a bad situation without taking you out of it. Why? Because he's just going to join you in it. But whether he takes you from it or joins you in it, you have an encounter with the living God because you're supposed to be all shook up, all tied up, all screaming, all hollering, making noise and worried and depressed. And here you are walking around in the fire. Here you are strutting your stuff around the fire. Here you are moving around the fire they're messing with you at work, and you're still walking. They're criticizing you at work, and you're still praising. They're making it hard for you, and you're still getting it on. Why? Because you know you're not by yourself. But sometimes he wants you to see what it's like when you're in the fire with the Lord. Why? Why, God? Why are you going to do this to me? Look, I need to walk with you. He says, I need to walk with you. So walk with me. So if you will, please turn in first Peter chapter first Peter chapter two. I want to walk with you through a series of scriptures. You need to know these scriptures and then we'll move forward in first Peter. Let me show you. This is just not the Old Testament that this is the New Testament. He says in first Peter a number of scriptures that will change your bad situation at work it change your bad situation at the company where you have this kind of understanding of bad suffering or it's a bad suffering season in your life but here's what he says in chapter 2 in verse 20 he says for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently but when you do good and suffer if you take it patiently this is commendable before God. For what credit is there? If when you sin, you are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer, for if you are patient, you will endure. And I like what the scripture says. It says that you will find favor with God. So church, if you're doing right, and taking your stand, you're making God happy and you're finding favor with God. Even though you don't feel it right then in the midst of your suffering. Look at chapter 3 and verse 14. It says this, But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. 
And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. It says this, don't be intimidated. Don't be frightened. I don't care who they are or what their title is. Don't be as scared of their intimidation. And do not be troubled just because they're talking smack. And they're talking a lot of noise. If you're suffering for righteousness. Verse 17 It says, for it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong, what is evil. So then finally, you're okay. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 10, it says this. Now listen to this. This is the doxology of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says this. But many, the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect establish, strengthen, and settle you. That after you have suffered a while. That's rough. But yet the promise says this. He's going to call the final shots. He's going to say where this job situation works out, whether there or somebody else. Because remember, your job, your government is only your resource. It's not your source. Christ is your source. I remember once I was I was way back in the day uh, I worked for a company and I knew we'd gone. It was really kind of bizarre and weird, but we went to a uh, we went on our honeymoon. We got married there. The owners were sitting out there such as you and, uh, you know, cheering us on, supporting us. However, I'd heard that. Uh, there was a gentleman who was working marketing, and we had reduced his pay, and I was the company administrator. And yet when I got back, uh, I knew they were going to get rid of me or ask me to join another position. So when we got back from our honeymoon, he says to me, he said, uh, can you come in and, and let's have a meeting? And I said, sure, I'd like to come in and have a meeting. And uh, so we came in and had a meeting, and I knew what the meeting was because I was the one who was the administrator writing the paychecks, and I knew this, this marketing gentleman had already taken his you know, $80,000 salary down to zero, so he had to go after somebody to chop off the head of that individual, right, because that's what they do. And uh, so anyhow, so he came after me and wanted my position, and so uh, the boss says to me, and I won't say any names, but uh, he says, hey, I would like you to do this. We would like to take you from this position. I'd like you to be my personal assistant, and I said, I really appreciate it, but how about no? No. I'm not going to be your personal assistant. I didn't like what he was doing. I, didn't, I saw what he was doing. But yet, I'm thinking to myself, I just got married. And she is expensive. Even at 22 years of age. And I was, I was right, caught right between a crossroad. She's expensive or I'm broke. Just kidding. And so it was at that moment that I looked at him and I said, how about no? Well, this will get you going. He had a little bit of a Theo mentality, such like King Nebuchadnezzar. And when he got mad, he would do this. I could hear him coming. I went home that day, came back the next day, and I heard these, these heels clicking all the way down. I'm like, oh, here I go. Little did he realize, I already knew what was going to happen. The big F word. 
I went from the frying pan into the fire. And I knew that when I was going to go in and have a meeting with him, that he was going to click and that his face was going to turn red, such as King Nebuchadnezzar when it says his face fell and he got all angry and mad because I didn't, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow their knee to this guy and, and such. I Here I am. Now I have to go in and tell him, no, I don't want this. I'd rather quit and move on in life, so on and so forth. But, you know... Because I am who I am at the time, I called unemployment. It says, how do I get unemployment? I have an expensive wife. See, honey, I'll just keep adding you right in this whole message. Just kidding. And, uh, and he said, well, they have to look at you and say, you're fired. I went, oh, I'm not even confrontational. I'm like, okay. Well, it wasn't that hard because as we were sitting there, he's like, well, why don't you want me? Why don't you want to be my assistant? And so I started telling him, and his face turned, and his eyebrows were like this, and he said, I need to show you something in the Bible. I'm like, oh, when it works good for you, now we're going to get preached to, because we're supposedly a Christian company? Okay. So he says to me, you know what it says in the scriptures? I go, I'm learning. And he knew I was just kind of acting like I didn't really care. He's like, you know what it says? I go, what? That I'm the master and you're the slave. I said, can you repeat that again? I'm the master. And he comes around and he sits on his desk. I thought I lost weight. I think I've gained some. I'm leaning on the one knee, trust me. I'm the master, and you're the slave. And I stood up and I said, I have something to tell you. You are not my master. I serve one king, and his name is Jesus. You're not my master, and I'm not your slave. Well, you know the rest of the story. So, yeah, I walked out of there, and he goes, aren't you going to clean your office out? I said, are you kidding me? I cleaned it out two days ago. (laughs) I already knew. I knew what was going to happen. But I know that if we're going to suffer, that I know that he's going to perfect us. Yeah, it was a difficult time for us. Becky and I moved out of this quaint little, you know, wonderful double-wide trailer out in the country with a beautiful setting, sunset, sunrise, all that kind of good stuff for that wonderful little couple into a one-bedroom apartment. And, uh, but we, it worked, and it worked great. And then before long, we were able to take up over the whole house and have children and all kinds of good stuff. But I realized this, that he wasn't my only resource that God was my source. And we have to sometimes stop and say, listen, I'm not serving you. I'm serving the God, the one who provides, the one who advocates for me, the one who takes care of me. I serve the God of the do-overs. You know why? Because that's who he is. For some of you, maybe you've been challenged to make some unethical decisions, some immoral decisions, and you're thinking no one sees and no one knows but those co-workers, those close to me or around me, but God sees. And in the midst of your decision-making, God wants 
to promote you. He will if you will make the right decision despite what the pressures of this life will throw at you. But the stress and pressures are too much to endure. So I'm here to tell you that maybe you're asking the question, the big question. Does God really see me? Does he know me? Say this with me. He is with me. You know, sometimes maybe we feel like I didn't know somebody was watching. I didn't know there was a first fourth person in the fire. I didn't know that something else was going on. But you have to understand that when God decides to promote you, it doesn't matter what men say about you or to you. So it's time for us to take a stand. So I like this. Shadrach, stand up. Meshach, stand up. Now, I kind of want to show you something that really minister to me. Abednego, can you stand up? Thank you. Thanks for, you know, meeting with me before service and uh, agreeing to this. They didn't. We're in this place, a place where the pressures feel so heavy. The pressures are just too much to bear. Through all walks of life, the decisions are now right in your face. And you're going to say, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to face it? It says that in the scriptures that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were what? They were tied up. So the whole idea was, you know how I find it interesting? When you look at the scriptures, they were tied up. What does Satan do to you? He ties you up. That's called a stronghold. So once he gets a stronghold of you, and and I'll say this to you, he'll get a toehold, a foothold, and then a stronghold. And before long, you feel like you are powerless until you're in that place of affliction, until you're in that place of adversity, and God brings you to a place of praise and prayer. So when you're in that place and all you have is what? Praise and prayer. God shows up. And then it says that in the midst of that affliction, in the midst of your fire and in your pain, that God, who in the scripture says that he is the consuming fire, I'm talking about this this week, Ryan and I, that, you know, and Becky, you know, he shows up where in the burning bush, but he doesn't consume the bush. He shows up in the fiery furnace. And even King Nebuchadnezzar said, what? Make it hotter than it's ever been. Wait a minute. Wasn't this the same king that said, you're awesome, you're awesome, and you're awesome. And yet the guys found favor, but they said, oh, you might call us awesome, but I know who is more awesome, and that's my God. Now, what he's asking us to do is then take that step of faith and change. And it says that there was these three, they were tied up, and now the king looks into this fire, and he says, wait a minute, there's a fourth person. 
And so, Ron Sr., jump up. That was quick. And he looks at him and he says, aren't there four people in there? And as he asked the question, what I love is that there were witnesses that saw the glory of the Lord. It, see, this is how I love that God shows up. Sometimes we don't realize what God is doing. And because we're in the heat, we're in the flames, God starts to show up. And then he manifests himself. And you're like, what is happening? I'm feeling his presence. I'm sensing his presence. He's answering my prayers. There's a shift. There's a change. What is happening? You made all... Here's what's so cool about this. The three of you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are looking this way. You're not even looking at Ron, who's been there the whole time. And he represents God. And that's what I want you to see in the picture here. God is always there. He'll never leave us. He'll not forsake us. And in the midst of our affliction, God is there. Amen, Pastor! You may be seated. Seriously, I know you, and I know sometimes you're consuming this, and I'm going to close. But here's what I want you to see through through what the scriptures have to say without breaking it down, because I know we did a lot more last week. But I wanted to kind of bring this to you before we go into where God shows up in this divine encounter encounter with a young man next week who ends up having a little bit of a wrestle, a little bit of a fight with the Holy Spirit. Because God's always showing up in the midst of our pain. You know, I'm not exempt from it. I am not exempt, neither are you. But I want you to know that today, I love that our church came together. Becky and I, uh, Ron and Lucinda had bought us for, uh, back in the spring, gifts to the Booth Brothers concert. And I love that while we were there, I just felt the presence. And I went home and I, back to the hotel on Friday night. I told Becky, I said, I love that while we were there, I sensed and felt the presence of the Lord. That was a great church service. Can we have church service today? Can we have church service tomorrow? Isn't it great to feel the presence of the Lord? See, you, some of you are tired. We've had a busy, busy week decorating a float, making a float, preparing, organizing, doing all the things that goes into outreach. But you didn't stop the pain that's going on around you, the health issues, the marriage. You still kept serving the Lord. You know, for some of you children that are, are going back to school, you young adults, just because stuff's going on around you, I want you to know that God is there. He sees you, and he, he feels your pain. He knows what you're going through. And I know Jim, and hopefully we'll have Jim and Melissa. I'm open for the 20th year to have them come. And, and I'd like to have the Booth brothers and everybody here, So, but we're going to start praying about that. And, uh, you know, just have a great weekend of celebration of what God has done and what he continues to do. You are sitting in a room full of people that have been in the fire. You've been in a place where you feel like there's been a loss. You haven't felt Christ. Am I the only one or have you felt that way at some point? And aren't you thankful that God showed up? I love this story. There was a man. He was on an island one day and he got shipwrecked on this island and nobody was there. He was there by himself. 
And he's wondering, well, how is he going to survive on this island? So he puts some sticks together to make a little hut to keep him away from the, the inclement weather there on the island. And, and he got in that hut, but through a series of events, the hut caught on fire. So the hut is on fire, and he's the only one on this isolated island. A few days later, a boat comes to deliver him from the island. He said, well, I have a question for you. How did you know I was on the island? Oh, they said, this is simple. We saw the smoke signals you were sending up to let us know that you were here. Sometimes God lets us catch on fire, but it's really a smoke signal saying to God, God, here's where I am. Even though I'm in a fire, I know you know where I'm located. So I want to encourage you to go back to work tomorrow and to serve the Lord Christ. And I want you to go back to work tomorrow and be a Christian on your job, serving with excellence serving the Lord, but knowing that the Lord knows where you're sitting. He knows how long He wants you there. I know that's hard, but it's the truth. He knows when it's time to move. He knows the bills that you have to pay, and He says He is your source, and everything else is your resource. You can lift your head up high and even if the rest of the employees don't like you on the job and if the rest of your family don't like you on the job and if the rest of, of anybody else out in the public don't like you, it doesn't matter. You just find you like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and you take your stand for God because God ultimately owns you. He owns the company. He owns your family. He owns the situations that you're in. So as we rise to our feet, as we prepare our hearts for the, the invitation as the praise team comes, maybe, you've, you've, maybe some of you have felt that your life lately has been in the frying pan. Let me encourage you that even though you may have been thrown into the fire and it feels that way, I want you to know that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Egypt, Jacob, the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego will be with you in it. Because church, if you remember one thing, if God leads you to the fire, he will see you through the fire. Because God loves you. Will you receive that today? Do you believe he's with you no matter where you're at or whatever you're going through? Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you that today. Father, we can continue to look upward Father, in the midst of sometimes our, our own struggles of life, we feel alone. I know I have. And I know I do. And then you always remind me that you're there. But God, I'm thankful. And what a great visual of seeing three men tied up. But then, what? They're praising God? And they're loose? They're running around shouting and praising you for who you are. God, that reminds me of us today. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood of, of Jesus that you were crucified for our sins. That you paid the price upon Calvary for us. Thank you for loosing 
our chains. For loosing those things that have kept us in bondage. Father, today in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, I ask for the loosing. You said whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatsoever shall be bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. So, Father, today I ask that you'll loose the things that have kept us captive to the enemy. And that, God, today, for many of us in this room, it might seem minor to us, but it's major to you. God, would you speak to our hearts today? Would you move in this room? And, God, if there's some in this room that needs prayer and they need freedom, may they understand that they don't have to stay in the flames of adversity, the fire of affliction, that, God, you will see them through it. Lord, the rest of the chapter, and you know, King Nebuchadnezzar brought them out of the fire. And great peace and reward came upon the king, the town, for they acknowledged that you are and were the king of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we know your name. Know us. Let us fill you, change us, reshape us. In your holy name we pray. Amen.